So, yeah, we're looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It will all appear on the slide, so you don't need to find it in your Bible. But feel free to do that, just to confirm that I'm not making stuff up. That's always a good plan. So, it starts with... Therefore... (laughs) Sam is now my clicker. Is that going to... Oh, we're good now, I think. Yeah. Oh, spoilers. Um, So, yeah, it starts with... Therefore... And uh, what I struggled with last time I was preaching was I really don't like recapping on bits that other people have said. And I was like really begrudging doing that last time. But unfortunately, this bit of scripture starts with therefore, which kind of means I need to touch on the previous bit again as well. Uh, Andrew Hawthorne, uh, a few years ago, one of the things that he said that I've taken away that was really good was he said, when you see a therefore in the Bible, find out what it's there for. Which is it's good, isn't it? It's really easy to remember that. Um, And the therefore, in this case, it says, therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way. So if you were here last week, you could have heard Andrew Thomas speaking about the new way, the new covenant, as opposed to the old way and the old covenant. And so that's what this is referring to. It's like, since we have this new covenant, since we have this new way of relating to God and his love and his mercy and all that kind of stuff, since we have all that, the stuff that is about to follow will make sense hopefully. So it says, therefore, since God in his mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. And I really like that. We never give up. And there's a film uh, that I like, which is the best Star Trek film that's not a Star Trek film. Uh, Does anyone know what that's from? Never give up, never surrender? Has anyone seen Galaxy Quest? Lucy's nodding. That's fine. Cool. So there's a great film called Galaxy Quest uh, with Tim Allen um, and some other uh, famous actor people and it's a, it's a comedy it's very very funny um, but the actor who the actor is playing very confusing has um, this slogan which is never give up never surrender and that sort of really is the heart of this whole bit of passage that we're going to look at today it's never give up never surrender so it carries on to say we reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God and all who are honest know this. And I love this. It's kind of similar to some of the stuff Paul and Timothy have already been saying. So we, like, we don't water down the gospel. We don't make it, uh, like just change it to make it more appealing to people. And I think this may be a bit of a response to one of the things that you wrote in 1 Corinthians, which I actually quite like, which is about saying being a Jew to the Jews and a Gentile to the Gentiles and sort of starting with where people are at to tell them the gospel, tell them the good news, like work with where they're from and then build on that. And I think this is Paul and Timothy saying, we do that, but we don't then change the gospel. The gospel is still the gospel. We start with where people are at, but we tell them the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Um, I like to think of it as the run DMC version of the gospel which is, it's like that, and that's the way it is. <laughs> um, you know, they, they don't mess around, and they're not watering it down. And that's good, isn't it? We don't want to do that. The gospel is the gospel. And today, in like today's culture and today's society, we could easily go, oh, we'll just scrap this bit, because culture says that's not right or really difficult. But actually, we, we hold true to what we believe is the truth and what we believe is right. It carries on to say... It's just a massive delay on it. It's really weird. Um, It says, 
Satan, who is the god of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. So this bit at the end is really important, that Christ is the exact likeness of God. You want to know what God the Father looks like? You look at Jesus. Jesus is compassionate and kind when you read about him in the Bible. And guess what? God's like that too. Every sort of good characteristic and thing about Jesus that we know to be true is true of the Father too. His heart for the least, the last, and the lost. That's the Father's heart too. All that kind of stuff is translatable. And part of the reason why Jesus came as a human was for God to be more understandable by us because we can relate easier to Jesus as a human than God this sort of spirit being who's a bit beyond our understanding, a bit beyond us, massively beyond our understanding. Um, so, but it, there's some interesting stuff in here. So it says, Satan, who is the God of this world? So that's, you know, like, oh, okay, I thought Jesus was the, the ruler of this world. So it's like he's been given limited power, limited reign. Um, God is in charge and above all of those things. But there is stuff that is, you know, you look around the world and there's rubbish stuff, stuff that Satan has got his hooks in, which is not great. And it says that he has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. And that reminds me of the parable of the sower. So there's a parable Jesus tells about uh, sowing seed, sowing the seed of the good news and it lands on the good soil and it grows and it lands on some soil with thorns and that gets a bit choked. And this is about like the seed that gets thrown and it lands on the path and the birds come and like take it away and eat it and, and destroy it. And the problem I have with that, not that there's anything wrong with Jesus's parable, because I feel like saying there's something wrong with Jesus's parable would be basically heresy. Um, but there's a problem with my imagination when I picture that, which is that the birds in my imagination are way too nice. The birds in my imagination are like, chirp, 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 chirp. Oh, thank you very much. Nice seed. You know, they're just they're lovely little birds who just fancied a snack. But really, that's what it's like. It's like seagulls and chips. They are on the prowl. They are looking out. You could look away while holding a chip for a second and a seagull will swoop in and try and claim that thing. They are not friendly little chirpy chirp birds. They're on the hunt. They're on the prowl. They are searching out those things to take away. And, you know, they're horrible. They're evil little things. And that's sort of... So I don't know if your imagination does that when you read that bit of scripture with the parable of the sower. But try and, like, picture... Birds a bit more similar to a seagull, maybe, than like little happy robins, like bobbing along the path, going, "Oh, thank you very much." Um, you know, it's 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 they're on, they're actively looking for food. They're actually looking to take things away and steal and rob. Um, so I find that maybe a little bit more helpful for me. Maybe that's not helpful for you, but that's how my brain works. I'm sorry. Anyway, it says, "You see." We don't go around preaching about ourselves. I feel like Paul and Timothy have said that a few times at this point. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. I really love that. That's a really beautiful picture, isn't it? So you've got the uh, story of creation in Genesis where God says, let there be light and then, you know, creation. And out of this formless, dark void, all of the beauty of creation was born. This is sort of saying that people's hearts are like that. People's hearts are like this dark, formless void. And then, let there be light. You know, God speaks into hearts. And the spirit, like, breathes life into people's innermost being. And we're given this gift of faith by God. And it just results in this absolutely beautiful thing. And last week, 
uh, th there was mention of, uh, and, uh, I was say Andrew, Thomas. Andrew Thomas mentioned about Moses coming down from the mountain with his face shining. And this is talking about light shining in the darkness. So I feel it only right to mention, shiny! It's a little bit throwback for anyone who saw that preach a while back. But it says, we now have, and this is sort of the, the heart of the passage we're getting into now, which says, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars. And I couldn't, I actually went shopping in a charity shop. And this is about as close as I could get. I got a clay vase, which is sort of jar-esque, I guess. Um, so I'll put that there. But it says, we are fragile clay jars. Where is that? That is verse seven. Uh, this makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We contain this treasure within us. So I don't know if you can tell, but does that look like a normal jar? Yeah? What if I did that? Ooh, one ooh, cool. <laughs> um, so I've stuck some fairy lights in it so it's glowing on the inside. Because it's got this, you know, it's this treasure, this light on the inside that's glowing. And it's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because Andrew Thomas last week was saying about how we are changed. Uh, we are morphed. And then I came up with a Power Rangers reference because I'm nerdy. Um, but it's interesting, isn't it? Because the, the Power Rangers are like morphing in various TV shows of that kind of thing. What happens is someone says, like, morph into whatever, where it's morphing time and does a thing. And then they get covered in armor. They get covered in something external that protects them. They become visibly changed. But actually, when we get transformed, the outside is still fragile humanity. It's what's inside that's changed. It's what's inside that's transformed. And it's potentially invisible. You know, until I, I tipped that that way, you guys were, oh, it's just a, just a vase. But, you know, fragile J. Clar. J. Clar? Clay jar. <laughs> but, you know, you couldn't tell unless you looked inside. And that's important. But we are fragile. And we carry this great treasure. But we have to acknowledge that we are still fragile. We are absolutely breakable and damageable and what uh, there's a guy who uh, Ryan recommended a book for me a while ago and I think I've quoted from it before uh, but it's a guy by a book called Jared Wilson called The Imperfect Disciple and I thoroughly recommend it it's a great read but he says Paul says we carry our treasures inside ourselves as if in jars of clay why because we are fragile and when we are broken what's inside is revealed what we worship shows through I really loved that uh, if I was to get a hammer and like crack the side of this jar, um, which I decided was a bad idea to do as a demonstration because stuff would go everywhere and I'd have to clean it up and it might fly into people's eyes and cause lots of problems. But I, you know, if I did that, through the cracks, you'd be able to see the light that was inside this jar. You'd be able to see it. It would shine through. And that's what Jared's saying here is that actually it's in times of pressure, times where we're bruised and battered and that kind of stuff, that actually what's inside shows. Jesus, when he was beaten and broken and having a horrible time leading up to the cross and the cross itself, he didn't say, oh, you guys are the worst. I'm going to call down angels and smite you all and all this kind of stuff. He said, forgive them, Father. They do not know what they do. You could see that amongst the absolute horrible time that Jesus was having, he still loved people. He still had compassion. He still wanted for other people to come to know who God was. And that was revealed in the time of being chipped and damaged and hurt. And so that comes through 
in this. We're fragile, and actually, uh, what Jared's saying here is what we worship shows through. So if, you know, I'd smashed that and that was full of gunge, what would flow out of it? It wouldn't be light, it would be gunge. And so we almost reveal who we really are, really, in times of trouble, in times of distress, in times of pressure. You work out what really matters to you. And I really like that. And it proves, uh, just going back a bit, it says, this makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. And uh, Andrew Davis has mentioned a couple of times about uh, Samson, and he believes how Samson was like this weedy guy uh, who didn't look particularly strong. He was this guy in the Bible who you know, pushed down pillars and tore things down and was known for being this really strong guy. But if he had massive muscles on the outside and it was visibly apparent that he was just really strong, no one would have thought, oh, that's God who's done that. I'd just been like, oh, that's a really strong guy you know, who's able to do stuff. He's clearly been training. But if it was a case of he was a weed who just was full of the spirit who is empowering him to do those things, then that gives glory to God, doesn't it? It's obvious at that point that it's God who's powering him and it's not in his own strength. And it's kind of like that. Uh, in our weakness, this cool, awesome stuff that we get to do as Christians, the strength that is within us that comes from God gets revealed and people go, well, you know, it's clearly it's not you, so it must be God. So, you know, it's, it's really good because God gets the glory for it. Then goes on to say... We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but are not destroyed. And I, I kind of feel like this woman needs, needs to carry on and go, we shall fight them on the beaches. We shall fight them on the landing grounds. We shall fight them in the fields and on the hills. We shall never surrender. It's got a real Churchill vibe to this, isn't it? It's... it's just this reality that actually we're in a battle that life is hard and if as a christian you think that it's going to be roses and uh, tulips and other flowers are available then you know you'll get surprised when things are difficult but actually paul and timothy here are saying stuff is hard and it's been hard and in chapter one they were saying how like they were pushed to the point of breaking that they were just absolutely crushed but they're saying in this we're almost almost completely broken, but never completely, completely broken. And that's true, isn't it? God give, never gives us more than we can handle. And sometimes it can feel like that, but then we come through on the other side. So it's just good to remember that we're in a battle, really, and to never give up, never surrender, which I think I've got on there again. Yes, never give up, never surrender. So Karen continues to say, through our suffering, or through suffering, our bodies, Continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies, which is a really cheery bit of scripture. Um, but what's good about this is that it's an acknowledgement that as we suffer, Jesus suffered too. It's not like we're going through things that Jesus didn't go through. He had a horrible time. Um, he was amazing and brilliant and healed people and did wonderful things and was the son of God and amazing, but he was also given a hard time by the Pharisees and the Sadducees and you know, was taken to the cross and whipped and beaten and all that kind of stuff. And so in our suffering, we're sort of walking the path that Jesus walked. And often I think we overlook that as Christians, uh, that 
You know, we'll say, oh, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm like, did you know where Jesus walked? Did you know what he walked through? Because some of what he walked through is actually horrible. <laughs> and to follow Jesus, sometimes you have to walk through some horrible, horrible stuff. And we're really lucky in this country, really, because we're not under constant danger of death because of uh, being followers of Jesus, which is really lovely. Um, but we do get you know, called names and all sorts of horrible other things. And there's stuff that is not pleasant. Uh, but it's good to understand the reality of that and not go into it sort of, sort of blind almost. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. And this sort of is part of why Paul and Timothy are like, we never give up, we never surrender, because it's resulted in eternal life for others. That the hard things that they've gone to, the things that they've suffered, they look around the church and the people who are in it and go, you guys were worth it. You guys were worth every drop of blood, every drop of sweat, because you have, you have come to an understanding of who you are in Christ and what Christ has done for you. And that makes all the horrible, horrible things completely worth it, which is great. He says, we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith that the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke, uh, which is from Psalm 116 and is David. And it's a really random quote, actually, because uh, the, the gist of it is uh, Paul and Timothy saying, we keep preaching because we believe it, is the, the gist of it, really. They're not going around going, hey, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And you know, doing that for personal profit or personal gain. They're saying it because they truly, honestly believe it. They think it's a life-changing thing that will bring people joy and hope and peace and all that kind of stuff. And so if you truly believe that, how could we not speak about it? How could we not tell people? That's what they're saying here, and that's really important. You also go on to say, we know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with all of you. Again, all of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we, and I'll get to that in a second. Um, but that sort of really speaks to Paul and Timothy's heart and their understanding of the Christian life, really. Again, it's the, we're doing this for your benefit. Has anyone heard of FOMO? Yeah, so there's this idea in like sort of modern culture of fear of missing out. Like, I don't want to miss out on the latest gadget, I don't want to miss out on the latest film, I don't want to miss out on that kind of stuff, but I, I think this is more like a FUMO, it's like fear of others missing out. You know, he doesn't want other people to not know the good news, he doesn't want other people to not get to heaven and to be raised in the end days and see, you know, what the amazing life that that's going to be is going to be like. And he says that God will receive more and more glory. So it's like, do we do things for the benefit of others and we do it for God's glory? That's, why, that's, that's it. That's how we roll. We are doing it to benefit others and so that God gets the glory. And so often um, you can see some people who, or like even Paul and Timothy say, there are so many people out there who are doing it for their own glory, their own benefit, uh, to be bigger, better, more wonderful, aren't I awesome Christians? And that's not what it's about. It's about doing things for the benefit of others and that God gets the glory. He says, that is why we, I should stop putting that in my pocket, never give up. That's why we never give up. It's gone a full circle. So through our bodies, oh, sorry, though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day 
For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So they're doing it. Why do they never give up? Why do they never surrender? For the benefit of others, so that they may come to know Christ. They may know the future and the hope that they uh, have available to them. They're doing it for the glory of God. And they're doing it because they focus, they lift their eyes to what the future holds, what's been promised. Uh, So I thought I'd flip to uh, Revelation 21 and read some. This is one of my favorite bits of scripture, which says, And I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God, out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now with his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. You know, they lift their eyes and look at that, that future that is promised and yet to come. There'll be no more sickness, no more sadness, no more pain, no more suffering. And they look at others around them and go, hey, I don't want you to have any sickness, pain or suffering or anything like that either. I want you to be resurrected in the last days and know this awesomeness that has been promised to us. And so um, this can really be summed up, uh, just in case it wasn't clear already, this chapter. Oh, I've missed a bit. Sorry, I'll get there. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now, rather we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. So yeah, that's basically what I just said. So don't like focus on the troubles and the temporary, but look to the future and what is promised and what is coming. And never give up, never surrender. You know, that it really is that, it's worth it. Like all the troubles and stuff you suffer for being a Christian and all the things, the time and the hours and the energy and doing all the stuff, it's worth it for the sake of others out there uh, so we don't get fumu. And, you know, it's, it's worth it. And because I'm a complete dork, I even got it on a T-shirt to remind myself to never give up, never surrender because it's worth it. You know, we have good news. It is good news that we have. We have good news to tell people. It's not bad news. It's good news. It's great news. I always find that weird that it's good news. Does anyone else find that? Because I always think it's like good, great, amazing. And it seems like good, like rates too low. But it's the best news. It's the most amazing and incredible news we ever could tell people. You know, they have a hope and a future. And they can be raised to life without pain and sickness and suffering at the end of days. And... Isn't that awesome? And it's worth it. So just, I would encourage you today, if you're feeling like weary, if you're feeling nearly broken, um, good news is nearly broken is not completely broken. Um, and, I'd, you know, what, I'd, it's good to sort of work out in your brokenness, what's shining through? What, what am I, um, what's shining through the cracks as I'm feeling a bit fractured and frayed? What is shining through? You know, am I... Uh, seeking God in this time of trouble or am I ignoring it and watching loads of TV or playing PlayStation or whatever it is? You know, is it God that's shining through in the troubles? Do people say, oh, you're going through that horrible thing. What is it that keeps you going? You know, is, is, it, is it God, in effect? Is it God that's keeping you going through that tough time? And you're saying, it's what I'm going through is worth it because there's people out there who need to know the love of God. So that's it. Never give up, never surrender. I may message that to everyone during the week, every now and then, just as a reminder. Um, but I'd love to pray for you all, um, and I'll ask Sam to come back up to lead us in some more sung worship. Uh, yeah, Father, I thank you uh, that you sent your son Jesus to die for us, that we are 
living in this new state, this new place where we don't have to jump through hoops or go through loads of red tape to come before you, but we can just do that because of what Jesus did. Uh, thank you that uh, you promised that there will be tough times, but you promised that you'll be with us in them, that there is hope amongst suffering and that suffering is only temporary and there will be an end to it. And I pray, Father, that you'll help us to remember to never give up and never surrender, that the hope that is sown, the seeds that are sown of the gospel, they are worth it. Um, and I just pray, Father, that you would protect the people in this community from the evil one that looks similar to a seagull. Um, and that you know, you'll keep the gospel safe in people's hearts, that you won't let it be stolen or taken away. Uh, I pray, Father, that as we continue to sing your praises now and worship you, that you would help us to remember all of this, that it would sink in, that we would know we are loved by you, that you have a plan and a purpose for our lives and that you would help us lift our heads to the future that you have promised us that is good, great, brilliant even, um, and that you would really set that in our hearts so that the light that was within us, the light of the gospel, the hope and your Holy Spirit working within us, that that would shine through in all we do and when the times are hard, times are tough, that your love and compassion and hope would shine through the cracks. Amen.